We left off last time talking about how that <clears throat> we are to have faith in the written word. That sounds so basic and elementary and fundamental, but it's amazing how people want to have faith in <laughs> everything but the word. You know, they want to have faith in a Daniel fast. They want to have a faith in uh, prayer chains. They want to have faith in a lot of things, but we're to have faith in the written word of God. We left off in John 1, 1 to 5. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. So, Jesus was the Word made flesh. You go to the book of Revelation, his name in the book of Revelation is the Word. And Jesus spoke the Word, Jesus was the Word, and Jesus is the Word, and the Word is Jesus. Now I think that this is basic and fundamental, and if we don't meditate on it and get it down into our spirit man, we can struggle. Jesus, for example, said in Matthew 24, 35, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. And I always thought of it wrongly, a lot of times misquoted it, that heaven and earth may pass away, but my words will never pass away. That's not what he said. He said heaven and earth will pass away. And so we go to... Uh, First, second Peter, we find out that this earth's going to be remodeled. Their elements will melt. I mean, you, you see pictures of what they're doing to the earth with uh, lithium mining and solar panels and all that. You, you don't think the Lord's going to continue like that, do you? So it's all going to melt. It's all going to be remade. But his words will never pass away. Now, we're not talking about sound waves because we know that our voices carry on. If you're outside and you speak, you're, the sound waves of your voice carry on. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about every word is true, none of it repented of, none of it changed. It's true. Today, it's like Jesus, the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. So we are to have faith in the living word, the written word of God. And somebody might say, why do you bring this up periodically? Well, because this is a big deal. Because, you know, I feel for Austin because it's not like it was back in the 80s, maybe over into the 90s. We could go to Tulsa, Oklahoma, and you could go to the Charismatic Bible Ministries meeting with Oral Roberts, or you could go to a Kenneth Hagin camp meeting, and you could hear several of these famous Word of Faith guys teach the Word. And they weren't all identical. The giftings weren't all the same. There was variety, pros, cons. Well, that's all gone. 
And then on top of it, <clears throat> a lot of the ministries that were of that thinking have evolved into other things. And one of the things they have evolved into, I should say devolved into, is Pentecostalism. And, you know, I could name names, but, but you know, people I love and know. And I'm thinking of a man right now because of a personal situation that he never got solved. He got addicted to looking to signs, wonders, and miracles. And that can be a rugged road. And a plethora of guests, revival meetings, because there was a situation he was personally trying to get solved. And, and my heart goes out. I understand it. You know, back September 28, man, I got hit hard. I don't know what it was. I don't need to go get it looked at, checked out. All I know, I, I, but I know that by having faith in the written word of God and fighting the good fight of faith, it took 28 days, but in four weeks' time, I got through it, past it, and beyond it. But see, if I'd gone to hunting signs, wonders, and miracles, or, or worse, had a bunch of guests in here to try and help me, all that would have been inflicted on you all. And so this guest, you know, they might push people down. And that guest, you know, they're going to anoint everybody with oil. And then that guest, they're going to have people drink anointing oil. And then the next guest, they're going to have everybody do a Daniel fast. You know, are you getting what I'm saying? Right, right, yes. What is it about people that they will have faith in anything and everything except what we're supposed to have faith in? Nothing's changed. He finds that man at the pool that had been an invalid 38 years. Tell your neighbor, nothing's changed. Nothing's Tell changed. the neighbor on the other side, nothing's changed. nothing's changed. He finds that, he finds, and this is what we miss. He finds that man at the pool that had been an invalid 38 years. And he says, get up and walk. Nothing's changed. Because that man had to have faith in that word. <laughs> Nothing's changed. We think it's changed, but nothing has changed. Because what stood before him, well, that was Jesus, that was the Christ, that was the Messiah, that was the word. Psalm 107.20, as it says, he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Well, that was Jesus. God sent his word, Jesus, and delivered them from their destruction and, and healed them of their diseases and delivered them from their destructions. But see, nothing's changed because 
It's not a freebie. We just have this idea that he just floated around Judea and everywhere he went, people were miraculously healed left and right and up and down and all over everywhere. You know when that happened? It happened in reverse with the angel of death with the firstborn in Egypt. You know, he just passed through the, the Ten Commandments movie, portrayed it like a mist, like a fog. That, that, I don't know that it was a mist or a fog, but that happened. In other words, the angel of death just passed through and people died, firstborn died willy-nilly left and right. But that's not the way Jesus healed. It was event by event, person by person. And he would give them instructions. And in order for them to receive, they had to hear they had to believe sufficiently to do what? Take action. So nothing's changed. See, we think it's changed, but nothing's changed. Our problem is, we, our problem is we don't read that Bible as though it was written to, when I say us, I'm not going to say it that way. We don't, I don't, we don't read that Bible like it was written to me. And you know, Paul wrote those letters, we call them epistles, to those various churches. Well, the, the Bible actually is God's epistle to you. Anybody here born again? Anybody here saved? Well, it belongs to you. <clears throat> you know, I'm sure if I croaked this evening, no, nobody could argue with Sue. She'd say, it's all mine. <laughs> By right. Do you understand? Well, somebody did die. The will has come into effect. And it's ours. It belongs to us. Somebody might say, well, how can it be all of ours? Well, what if Sue and I went together on the same day? Well, it would go to the children. Well, what if Sue and I and Austin and Christina went all on the same day? Well, now it goes to seven. And, and so somebody did die. The will did come into effect and it belongs to us. Now the devil would argue about that, but we're not paying attention to the devil. We're not going by what he says. It is ours. It belongs to us. We have a right to it. So nothing's changed. Okay, but back to Pentecostalism. And somebody might say, why do you get on this occasionally? Because I see more damage from Pentecostalism, frankly, in the body of Christ than I do from drinking. Now, I'm not saying go drink. But I'm saying people get off, on, at least, you know, you know you shouldn't drink. But people get off into this Pentecostalism stuff. And I'm, I mean, famous people. Oh, pastor, he's just a word man. That's the safest place to be. Because Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. But these fads, they come and go. Prayer chains, anointing oil, drinking anointing oil, uh, anointing everybody, every service. Look, if you have any questions about this, go online. I believe it's on Austin's YouTube channel, Facebook. Dr. Fred Price June 1988, The Other Side of Signs and Wonders. In fact, you can just go to YouTube and type that in. The, 
Fred Price, The Other Side of Signs and Wonders, and that's where Sue and I learned. You can thank God, thank God, thank God for signs, wonders, and miracles, but I cannot make the, uh, I don't have any payments. I cannot, if I had a payment, I couldn't make the payment with a sign, a wonder, or a miracle, because I don't know when a sign or a wonder or a miracle is going to show up. Can you see that? Thank God for signs, wonders, and miracles. And I've had them. But frankly, I would just as soon <laughs> finish out my days and not need another miracle. Because it's, it's a little intense. It's a little... I'm trying to think of another adjective. It's just a lot of stress. You know, to need a miracle. I got to have a miracle by Friday. Man, I got to have a miracle by the end of the month. I, I, I've been there. I've done all that. I just don't care to do, live like that. But uh, that word, I can count on that word. I can confess that word. I can believe that word. I can take God at his word. I can act like it's so. And it just keeps working and working and working and working and working. Can you see that? Pentecostalism. So it's that word on the believer's lips that heals the sick and breaks the power of demons over men. So we, were, we left off talking about the Bible. So I have this word in my hand. I have his word in my heart. I have his word on my lips. I live his word. And his word lives in me. This is John 15, 7 stuff. If ye abide in me and my words abide in you. If, you, if, if, if we... If we live in, take up residence in, settle down in his word. If his word lives in, takes up residence in, settles us down in us, we can ask whatever we want. We can ask whatever we wish, and it will be done for us. But this takes effort, I know. And that's the problem with Faith Christian Center. I know, I know, I know, I know, because, you know, we got to participate. And everybody wants everything handed to them, but it doesn't work like that in the kingdom of God. So I've got to participate. Tell your neighbor, I've got to participate. So the word of God is my healing. The word of God is my strength. The word of God is my salvation. The word of God is the bread of life to me. The word of God is the strength, the ability of God to me. The word of God is my confession. It is my light and my salvation. The word of God gives me quietness in the midst of confusion. The word gives me victory in the midst of defeat. And the word gives me joy where... Desolation reigns. I don't know how anybody, frankly, I just read about a surgeon that's doing 4,500, four to 500 of these sex change surgeries on children every year. That's one surgeon. So, <laughs> if it weren't for the Bible, how could I have any peace at all? If it weren't for the word of God, how could I even face tomorrow? But see, the word of God shows me, tells me, it's very plain. If you read uh, Daniel, compare that to Revelation, it's very clear where this is all headed. We know where it's all headed. And we know <laughs> that the devil gets defeated and God reigns and uh, 
at some point, his people get pulled out of here. At what point exactly, nobody knows. Even Jesus said he didn't know, only the Father knows. But we have comfort. We have peace because of the Word of God. Now, that doesn't mean any given day, any given week, any given month, we know exactly what's going on. Because frankly, when, when I was a young man and I read where Paul wrote, there will be terrible times in the last days. If I had had the biggest nightmare of my life, I could not have imagined what's going on in 2023. I mean, it's astounding. So tell your neighbor, Paul was not kidding. When he said there would be terrible times in the last day, he was not kidding. So the word of God is our comfort. The word of God is our joy. The word of God is our peace. But first it has to be the word of God in your heart. How can it come out of your mouth? How can it cross your lips if, if, it, if we never got it built into our heart? See, the word of God, this has all the power we need for anything facing us on any given day but it has no power on the dashboard. It has no power on the coffee table. It has no power on the bookshelf. It only has power when we meditate on it, get it down in our hearts, and then get it into our hearts sufficient to take action upon it and let it come up out of our mouths. This is the meaning of Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Now, Jesus knew what his father's word would do on his lips, Jesus' lips. And Peter and John knew what the word would do on their lips. For example, at the gate called beautiful, it is the word that goes forth out of my mouth that cannot return to him void. Look at Isaiah 55, 11. So is my word that goes out from my mouth that will not return to me empty, but will, will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Now, it's not in my notes, but if you guys could hear in, in a second, not right now, but here in a second, bring up Romans 4, 17. I want to show you how connected some of these passages are, even from different authors. For example, Mark eleven twenty two to 24, And Jesus answering saith unto them, Have faith in God. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say, Unto this mountain be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Then verse 24, he shifts gear, he's talking about prayer. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, and ye shall have them. Now, so you have to believe it before you receive it, and you have to receive it before you can have it. And it's all based on saying. Now, in Romans 4, 17, talking about the process of faith that Abraham used to get Isaac, it says there, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God in whom we believe, the God who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they were. So that's, that's Paul <laughs> trained by Gamaliel, looking back at Abraham and the process of faith Abraham used to receive an heir, 
But I want you to see that you cannot believe you receive without calling those things which are not as though they were. Because of the language of Jesus. And Jesus answering saith unto them, have faith in God. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. If they shall come to pass, do I have them now? If, if, if they shall come to pass, do I have them in my hand right now? No. So where are they? They're coming. See, they're on the way. Well, that sounds like Romans 4, 17 to me. He, we serve the God who calls those things which be, King James says, be not as though they were. We call those things which are not as though they were. And I have to do that to do what Jesus taught in Mark 11, 22, 23, and 24, because he said, shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. See, I have to believe. And why is he talking about a mountain? If he had, if he had gotten specific people would have limited what he said to that specific. If there, had been a, if there had been one of the 12 disciples that, let's say, had an issue in their body, if he had used that as an illustration, people would have held it to that illustration. So he said, a mountain, whatever mountain you're facing. He did the same thing in Matthew 17, 20, in a different reference, in a different context. In other words, whatever you're facing, speak to it. Call those things which be not as though they were. But see, how can I do that if I never go to the trouble to get the Word of God down inside of me? This ties in to another author, John. John 15, 7. If, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you, you may ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. If, 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 my, wor if my words abide in you, if my words take up residence in, dwell in, settle down in you, and you take up residence in, settle down in my word, then you can ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. And people have a problem with this because they say, well, how could, how could Jesus make such a blanket statement? Well, it's, it's actually obvious when you meditate on it because if you live in, settle down in, take up residence in his word, how are you going to ask amiss? How are you going to ask for something you shouldn't have? If you're, if you're living in, taking up residence in, settling down in his word, you're not going to ask for anything amiss. If his word is in you, living in you, settling, in, settling down in you, taking up residence in you, how can you ask for anything amiss? You're not going to. See, if, if I'm in his word and his word is in me, then I have the mind of God then I can speak. I, I, I don't mean to be offensive, but, you know, I'm just minding my own business, doing my best teaching on a Wednesday night, and the Holy Spirit's talking to me. And he's saying, 
how amazing it is how people pray silently. Now, there's a time to pray silently. I guess when you don't want people to hear you. But when we're in, a, and when we're in our homes, when we're in our prayer closets, when we're outside, when we're in the woods, how about this? When we're at Faith Christian Center and we're here on Friday morning or Saturday morning, I never cease to be amazed. I think, personally, I think that this is one reason I get answers and a lot of times people don't. I pray out loud. Because he talked about saying, whosoever shall say, not think. We're not talking about a Jedi mind trick. We're not talking about, you know, mental projection. We're not talking about uh, projecting thoughts. There's no example in four Gospels where Jesus thought somebody into a healing. There's no example in the book of Acts where one of the evangelists or apostles or prophets or believers Jedi mind tricked somebody into a healing. They spoke. Well, I don't like praying out loud. Well, then do without. We have to say it. We have to speak. We have to rebuke the devil. How can I rebuke the devil if I don't talk? Well, I rebuke the devil in my heart. So the devil's in your heart? I rebuke the devil in my thoughts. So the devil's in your mind. I don't know what the devil is to you, but to me it's like a, a nuisance dog. You know, you just speak to it. Amen. That's right. And Derek and Christina's old neighborhood is, I don't know if they turned that dog loose when they saw me out walking and praying or if it was a coincidence, but you know, there was a neighbor's dog, and man, it'd see me and it'd charge. But I've, I've lived a couple of years. And I just turned to it and say, stop. And it might keep charging. I'd say, stop. And it might keep charging. See, I read the Bible. I know how this stuff works. Now, I haven't tried this on a mountain lion. <laughs> I just say, stop, and then stop. First time I did that, then it followed me around the, the neighborhood while I was walking and praying, like it was my dog. <laughs> Just stop. But you have to speak to it. I don't know why people have trouble with this stuff. Anybody here ever had a dog? Let me see your hand if you've ever had a dog. Who gave the dog the name? The vet? Did the vet decide if it was a boy dog or a girl dog? Who gave the dog the name? Well, how did you teach the dog its name? Talk to me. How did you teach the dog its name? You Jedi mind tricked it, right? You had it in your thought life. How did you teach the dog its name? 
You spoke to it one time, one time, one time, pastor, that'll do it, one time. Now, how, how, how many times did you have to call that dog by its name? Over and over and over and over and over and over and over. Now, this doesn't work with cats. <laughs> so why, why are we surprised? That I might have to speak out loud to rebuke the devil or speak out loud to rebuke pain in my body. This is just completely easier than making an appointment, taking two hours, sitting in a room with a mask, socially distanced, being treated like pond scum, going in there and talking to somebody and deal, doing with all that. It's just, I can't even comprehend how much easier this is. I just speak to it. Oh, no, you don't. Well, Pastor, you're out there. It can't be that easy. Initially, you might have a battle to fight. Colossians 2.15, Galatians 3.13. But you put the devil on the run. And then when he tries to stick his nose back into your business, you just say, no, no, I'm not having that. We've already dealt with this. I'm not having that. And dismiss him like a dog. Go bother somebody else. You're not going to harass me today. I'm not having it. Amen. You don't have to make a big thing out of it. We have authority by the, by the written word of God and by the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, this process, these concepts, see, they don't make sense to man. Well, of course they don't make sense to man because they weren't designed by man. Although the Lord's speaking to me right now and saying the world is using these exact same concepts more effectively than God's people. They're using them for evil. That surgeon I was reading about that does four to 500 of those surgeries a year has got these TikToks where she keeps telling these kids that, you know, they need to change, then they need to be, you know, transitioned and all of this stuff. You tell, you, you, you tell people the lie and you tell people the lie over and over and over and over and they believe the lie. Well, that is Satan using for evil a concept that was designed by God for God's people to use for good. And the world has gotten very adept at this. I mean, have you seen those, I don't even know what you call it, it's not a meme, but where they'll take 40 or 50 news TV shows and they put them all on one screen and everybody's saying the exact same thing. Somebody wrote the script somewhere. Somebody somewhere wrote the script. So the world is ripping off these principles designed by God and God's people aren't even using these principles. So of course it doesn't make sense to man. Isaiah 55, 11, so is my word that goes out from my mouth that will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Yeah, but that's God. Well, now there's an easy way to solve that. Just say what God says. See, if you say what God says, now automatically God's watching over his word because it just came out of your mouth. Not, I think. The creative word of God on the lips of Jesus is the creative word of God on your lips. 
couple of Sundays ago, I gave you this example, Matthew 17, 20. Then the disciples came to Jesus, 19 to 21. Then the disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, why couldn't we drive it out? They failed to drive a demon out. He replied, because you have so little faith. I tell you the truth, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, be uh, moved from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. And Sue and I heard Oral Roberts teach on this very often, that he says, because you have so little faith. And we want to measure faith by the pound, by the bucket, by the quart. How do we measure faith? We measure, faith is measured by what you say. We know, what you, we, know, we know who you are, and we know what you are by what comes out of your mouth. We know who you are and what you are by what comes out of your mouth. We peg you. And guess what? The devil does too. The world does. Because you have so little faith. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, so it's got to be planted. Faith is, tell your neighbor, faith's got to be planted. See, if you have faith as a seed, you can say. If you have faith as a seed, you can say. If you have faith as a seed, you can say. To this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. And I've, I've been paraphrasing it this way. If you have faith as a seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. But the Holy Spirit instructed me to say it this way. Jesus said to me, and he did because it's, it's in the book and, and, and I, I'm his child. So what's in here is mine. It belongs to me and I belong to it. Jesus said to me, since I have faith as a seed. Now I can say that because I do. I have faith as a seed. Man, I'm sowing all the time. You know, I, I can't talk about it much because people get offended. But man, I'm a, I mean, I'm sowing all the time. Am I right? Yeah, buddy, I'm sowing all the time. I have faith as a seed. So I can say. Since I have faith as a seed, I can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move because nothing is impossible for me. But look at the language of Jesus. If you have faith as a seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. It what? What tense is he in? We don't like this, but what tense is he in? Talk to me. What tense is he in? It will move. What tense is he in? Future. So it hasn't moved yet. This, see, this is, this is the posture of faith. It may be there, but it's moving. Why is it moving? Because I just said so. That's how we learn to handle money. Money's coming. May not be here yet, but it's on the way. Amen. Some of it may come Thursday. Some may come Friday. Some may come in 2024. It doesn't matter to me, but the money's coming. The money's coming. <laughs> the money's coming. 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 It's on the way. Healing's on the way. Have you ever, have you ever been expecting a, a piece of bad news in the mail and you had, a, you had a feeling of dread about you, you know, like, oh, and you knew it was coming. Well, this is that in the opposite. 
Healing is on the way. The money's on the way. The blessings of the Lord are on the way. See, it's a posture. So I live in a state of constant anticipation. And there's no end to it. How long do I have to do this? That's always everybody's complaint. How long do I have to do this? Well, how about this? As long as you watch TV. How about this? As long as you keep eating. I mean, how many days are you going to eat? We don't have any problem with eating. We don't have any problem with TV watching. How about this? You make your confessions every time you look at that phone. We would be multi-millionaire, totally, completely healed faith giants. I mean, what if we put a post-it note and taped it with cellophane tape on the phone that every time I look at it, I have to make all my confessions? See, we do all kinds of stuff, and we don't complain about doing it. But when it comes to the things of God, so how can I say these things? Because his word is mine. It belongs to me. I am his son. I am his and he is mine. I belong to his word and his word belongs to me. You know, if a, if a man has a godly father, he, he, he would do well to become like that over time. And we have the godliest father of all so over time, we are to become more and more and more like him. Our speech ought to become more and more like his. You never heard, search, search the Gospels. Jesus didn't talk about if or maybe or perhaps or odds are. There was a certainty to his speech. If it's in the Bible, it's mine. It belongs to me. Say it out loud. If it's in the Bible, it's mine. It's mine. Belongs to me. Now, I know you go to a lot of churches and they'll say, well, you can't claim all that stuff in the Old Testament, but this is covered in Galatians 3. You know, the other guy's ignorance is not my problem. Amen. So Jesus said to me, since I have faith as a seed, I can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move because nothing is impossible for me. Nothing is impossible for me. Now, Pastor, do you really believe that? I do believe that with a little bit of a caveat and that is this, <laughs> I have shelf life. But nothing is impossible for me. I just, it'd be great if I could have known all this, you know, or sooner. But we live. And uh, we grow. Hopefully we grow. I, I know people, and, and I meet them, and they haven't grown any. God forgive me. I, I come across these ministers, God forgive me. First thing I do is I look at their shoes. I look at their suit. Look at their shirt. Because, right, when you, when you come across them when they're 50, they should have more than when they were 30. You come across them when they're 70, they should have more than when they were 50. 
I would say that since the last time I saw Fred Price, the only minister that I have come across, one. Saw him just a few weeks ago. You look at his shoes, you look at his suit, you look at his shirt, and you can tell this guy's into progress. That was Kenneth Copeland. But most, most ministers, I, I never cease to be amazed at, at the confidence level people have in ministers who obviously haven't produced anything. And their children have nothing. You can't really tell a lot about somebody by looking at them. You have to look at what their children have. Because if they're, if they're Abraham-level people, Isaac's not going to be broke and driving a, a car that's fallen down. If they're, if they're Abraham-level type people. Because there are famous people and their children are broke. Children don't have anything. They don't have two nickels to rub together. It's all a credit. But I got a vision early. And I began taking action on the Word of God. I don't apologize for it. I got a vision, and I began taking action on the Word of God, and I began saying what God said about my life, and I began walking in it. And you got to walk in it. It doesn't come to you like ripe cherries falling off a tree. It's not like these cicadas. You know, I'm out walking, praying, minding my own business, and something's tapping me on the head. You know, it's, it doesn't just come to you like that. In other words, you, you got to take action, take action, take action. You got to get the Word of God in your heart to where, sufficient to where you believe it enough to take action on it and let, let the Word of God come out of your mouth. And then you have to be consistent. Because these things are coming. The money's coming. Health and healing are coming. Amen. It's all coming. Phase two is coming. It's all coming. Amen. It's coming toward me right now. Amen. Because Satan, Satan, Satan can't stop it. I've already rebuked him. And the angels of God, the ministering spirits of God have been dispatched. They're already out there gathering it up, gathering it up, gathering it up, bringing it to me. It's coming in. Amen. It's just a matter of time. It's on the way. Now, if you, if you walked into this service tonight and you hear me talk like this, you might think, I'm just making this stuff up. But there are people here tonight and you've been with me 30 years and you have seen it come. Amen. So it comes. Amen. Evidence. Amen. Amen. I mean, shouldn't we have something to show for our faith? Just like... If somebody lives their whole life, shouldn't they have something to show for their life? Right. In the same way, if somebody lives a life of faith, shouldn't they have something to show for their life of faith? Say it again. If it's, if it's in that Bible, it is mine, and it belongs to me. And we, we, shouldn't, be, we shouldn't let people put us, put us on the defensive about this. All of my needs are met. I know, you know, they tell me people don't like to hear it. Too bad. All of my needs are met. All of my bills are paid. Got plenty left over. 
Amen. Amen. Being made rich in every way so I can be generous on every occasion. Amen. Amen. So faith is daring to speak his word to the mountain. It could be the sick, daring, daring to speak the word to the sick, daring to speak the word to the demon possessed and setting them free. Daring, daring to say what God says. Listen, the world's so crazy and there's, there's this plethora. I mean, it's like, a, it's like an avalanche. The media, all of it, it's, it's like an avalanche of misinformation and lies and heresies and cults that we need to wake the heck up. And when we're, when we're in the presence of somebody and they have a need to be bold about it. I went home from the spring power lunch and I, I told her, I said, I, I kind of feel odd about it. I don't know if I should or not. She said, what? I said, well, uh, one man brought another man as a visitor and uh, he brings him up to me and, you know, this man starts telling me all of his physical problems. And I, I said, my, my first thought was fresh meat. <laughs> because, you know, a lot of times I'm laying my hands on people that I've laid my hands on them and I've, I've believed God and I've laid my, but here's somebody who has never heard the word. And I said, would you let me pray with you? Oh, would you? Oh, yes. <laughs> because, see, they haven't been inoculated against faith by hearing it so much, they have built up resistance to it. And that's what happens. That's what happens when people hear the word and they don't take action on it and they hear the word and they don't take action on it. They're building up resistance. But when we hear that word and we take action on it, we're not building up resistance. Actually, we're building our faith. And real prayer is taking his word into the throne room of God and letting his word pass over your lips to him on the throne, calling his attention to his own promises. That, that is when prayer is effective. You know, there may be some disadvantages to being older, but I think they're very few. And there are some real advantages to being older. And that one of them is this. I have prayed countless ways. I have tried countless methods in prayer. I have, I have been doing this for years and years and years and years. And I'm here to testify that the most effective prayer is when I enter his gates with thanksgiving and I enter his courts with praise and I walk into that throne room of God and I rehearse to my daddy his own words because he is watching over his words to perform them. Amen. Not my theories, my ideas, my opinions. Amen. That's effective prayer. To enter his gates with thanksgiving, to enter his courts with praise. Now, I take a third of my time, whatever time I'm talking about, I take a third of my time 
and I enter his gates with thanksgiving, and I enter his courts with praise. Don't ask him for a thing. And by the time I get to the second third of my prayer time, I am bathed and I am basking in his pleasure. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, enter his courts with praise, and then let his own word come up out of your heart, roll across your lips, rehearsed to him who sits on the throne. What's he going to do? I mean, my children have never had to do it to me, but what would I do if they came to me and said, on this day, you said that you would do thus and so. Well, I would be a heck of a punk to not do what I said I was going to do. And God is no punk. So when we, when we rehearse to him his own word, and somebody might say, well, you're kind of strapping it on him, aren't you? Well, yes, but also, if he didn't want me to know it, he should never have said it. If he didn't want me to rehearse it, he should have never let me know about it. But that Holy Spirit was working. In Paul's language, I forget the reference. In the Greek, it means that the Holy Spirit breathed on them led them along like, like you would be carried in a river when they wrote, when Paul wrote those epistles, when those, Paul was talking about those holy men of old. They, they were breathed upon by the Holy Spirit of God. It was like they were being carried along in a river and Isaiah and Jeremiah and Moses and they wrote the word of God and we have it all this thousands of years later. It's not, obviously not for the devil. It's obviously not for the devil's crowd. It's for us. If it's in that Bible, it belongs to us. And so, if you want to get somewhere with God, you have to take the time and the trouble. I didn't get to it tonight, but in, in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, 2,500 times he tells us who he is. 2,500 times. I am Jehovah Rapha. I am the Lord God, thy healer. I am Jehovah Nisi. I am your victory and I am your banner. I am Jehovah Jireh. I am the Lord God, your provider. I am El Shaddai. I am the Almighty God. I am the God of more than enough. And Mekadesh and Sidkanu and these other names. If you want to get somewhere with God, you, you need to look up these names and master these names and because they tell us who he is. He's my provider. See, I don't have to wonder about that. He's my healer. I don't have to worry about, I don't have to wonder about that. And he is, he's not just enough, he's more than enough. I did a whole camp meeting on this years ago. And we find out who he is. And, 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 and don't insult him like he's going to withhold something, like your daddy, like your natural daddy. Some of you got dads 
And man, if you kiss their backside and you suck up 15 times and you tell them exactly what they want to hear, well, they might give you a couple of thousand bucks. And I, I lived with it and dealt with it till I had my fullness of it. But I found out who this God is. He is my daddy. He is my Jehovah Jireh. He is my El Shaddai. And more than all of that, he loves me. And I discovered he was willing to share. And once I discovered in the late 80s, once I discovered who he was and that he was willing to share, I was gone. People were, told me all the time, you know, I was crazy. Didn't bother me in the least. You know, my dad visited once. He looked in the garage. He said, really, you need two of those expensive cars? I said, well, I'm looking for a third one. <laughs> I found out who I'm serving. See, a lot of people don't even know who they're, they don't even know, they talk about God, they don't even know who they're talking about. Man, he is my savior. He is my healer. He is my provider. He is my deliverer. He is my strength. He is my song. He is my shield. He is my salvation. Hallelujah. You, how many of you have children? Let me see your hand if you have children. You want them to live in a, in a double wide? You want them to live on welfare? You want them to live on government assistance? You want them to live in... Uh, section whatever housing, you want them to live in an apartment? Is that your vision for your children? No. If ye being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more, how much more, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to them that ask? Amen. And that, that's what happened to me. That's my story. That's my testimony. And that's why, man, I'm out there because I found out who I was serving. And a lot of God's people, man, I feel for them, but you know what? I can't be stopped by it. You know, they go to church, they sing those hymns, they do all that, they listen to those sermons, they go through all that, they do all that for years and decades, and, and they never find out who they're serving. They, they don't even know who they're serving. Man, he's kind. He's gracious. He's marvelous. He's wonderful. He's beautiful. Hallelujah. What a privilege. What an honor to know you. Jehovah Rohai. He's the God who sees me. I'm never alone. You know, just today, because Sue's out of town, just today, Satan, you know, I'm out there praying. It's so hot, so miserable. Man, I'm out there praying. I'm walking those laps. And the devil, just today, said, wouldn't it be a shame if you died out here alone? I said, you're so stupid. I said, how stupid do you have to be to be one of the three archangels in heaven and get thrown out? I said, I'm never alone. I am never alone. I am never alone. 
my constant companion, is with me even when I'm asleep at night. The Bible says he neither sleeps nor slumbers. Man, I mean, I can be out. And he is there with me. In him we live and move and have our being. Jehovah Rohi, he sees me.